Let's, let's turn this morning to Romans, the 12th chapter. And, and uh, Romans, the 12th chapter. And verse 1. I beseech you, I beg of you, you. And who's the you? It's the you, that's us, individuals that are in Christ. You therefore, brethren, see the brethren, those that are one with Christ, in Hebrews 2, verse 11. By the mercies of God, by his tender, compassionate, deep desire of intimacy for us, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Wouldn't that be something? That if every single thing we did with these bodies had to do with his glory first, wouldn't even be about another thing. Not one other thing. I don't, it wouldn't matter what it was. No matter what. We would present our bodies as a living sacrifice for him, no matter what we do, whether it's sweeping a floor. It doesn't matter. Whatever we were doing, wherever we were doing it, that it would be as unto him as a living sacrifice. It's very interesting the living sacrifice here is brought out in Hebrews 13 and verse 14. We, get, we are to give, we give these, our, our worship is, is a living sacrifice. Our worship, it means proper worship. Why? Because we're not living for here. Oh boy, boy, wouldn't that be something we got that one right, huh? We're not living for here on this earth. We're not, are we? According to the Bible? Are we of the world system? What's on the earth right now? Besides Christ building his church and the world system, what else is there on this earth? What else is there? There's those two things. We'll see it right here. We're going to see it right here. So that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Because, because why? Why? Hebrews 13, 15 talks about the living sacrifice. Hebrews 13, 14 is our eyes are not on this earth. We don't look as our portion here on this earth. We're looking heavenly. That's where Christ is. That's where our home is. Then we, when that is true, when that's true about us in Hebrews 13, 14, now we have proper sacrificial worship towards him. That's what that Hebrews 13, uh, uh, Hebrews uh, 13, uh, 14 and 15 uh, bring out. I may have messed those up dyslexically. <laughs> that can happen. But again, it says this, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice because what's in our bodies? Well, you know the prayer, the Holy Spirit prayer that God that the, that the heavenly Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gave the Apostle Paul, and what he said was this, I pray God your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. And then in 524, faithful is he who called you, who will also do it. Will he do it apart from a will being submitted? So what is in our physical bodies right now? What's located in it? Our, our souls and our spirit. So when it says this, to present your bodies, that's your spirit, soul, and body to him. So that you don't live for yourself. Yourself is no longer, and myself is no longer, a proper object. Christ is our object. 
So you're living a living sacrifice, and now it's holy. Otherwise, it's not. Acceptable unto God. Where is all our acceptance in Ephesians 1.6? It's in Christ. Acceptable unto God, which is your what? What kind of, what kind of service is it? Huh? Reasonable. Well, what does reasonable mean? Proper thinking. We're going to see it here. Now here's where it is. These two things are happening to us every, all throughout the day. This is what makes the word and hearing it properly so very, 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 very vital. Can't stress it enough. It is so very, very vital. Vital for adults. It is extremely vital for adults to be able to do that. Now listen, this is what it says. Because it says this, and who is he talking to? Who is he talking to here? In 12.1, those that are in Christ, brethren. And what does he say? And be not conformed to this world. Notice that? Don't be conformed to this world. But, and here the but is a contrasting conjunction, as we've been taught. The, the contrast, there's a contrast, and that's the contrast, being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. How important is that? So, it, it, so, but there is, it shows you the contrast. You're either going to be conformed to this world in your thinking presently, or you're going to allow yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, brought back to these truths, so that you function in reasonable, pr proper thinking that goes into service, and service has to do with proper worship. Otherwise, the enemy's very subtle, and he captures our mind, and we start worshiping other things. And, we, and any of us, all of us, can do that very, very quickly. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good. Well, who, who are you going to first prove it to? Yourself. You're going you're to have that proof to yourself. Eh? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove through reasonable thinking, through the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ and showing them unto you, and to show you what truly is good. So that we don't call, in Isaiah 5 and verse 20, evil good and good evil, that we don't put light for darkness and darkness for light, that we don't put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter and get confused. We don't. What is good and acceptable... And acceptable, okay, so where is good located in Exodus 34 and verse 6? Goodness is located in, in, in God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where goodness is located. You see that again in Matthew 19, 17 and 18, and Luke 19 and 18 and 19. You will see it there. There's only good in God. Is there any good in the flesh that's in us that we're not of in Romans 8, 9? In John 6, uh, 63, Notice what it says there. It is the spirit that makes alive through the renewing of your mind. The flesh profits what? Nothing. Nothing there means that you, that love, hasn't reached your experience. And love always speaks of protection and safety. And we'll see it this morning. What is good... That's why Paul said, he said, in me, in the flesh dwells what? In Romans 7, 18. 
no good thing. And when I function in the flesh, in Romans 7, verse 21, can I find that, can I do what I would desire to do? Answer, no. Acceptable, who's acceptable? Christ. And am I functioning in his his acceptance for me, am I? And that's acceptable. Perfect means complete. You and I, in Ephesians, in, in Colossians 2.10, we are complete in him. Colossians 2.9 says, in, in the King James, in Colossians 2.9, he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Greek brings that out very, very clearly in the Koine Greek New Testament, that the whole time that Christ walked the face of the earth, he was filled up with all that God is. And in 2.10, you're complete in him, says the King James. The original says, and you're filled up in him. What are we filled up with? What, what do we allow to be filled up in our minds this morning? What is it that we allow to be filled up in our minds? Perfect. We're completing him. Finished. And then the will of God. Who performed and finished the will of God in John 4 and verse 34 and Psalm 40 verses 7 and 8? Who fulfilled it and finished it in John 19.30? Christ did. He's my proper thinking. And to do it properly, I must have and be very, very, very open through to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will not put himself in contention with other things. He, he just won't do it. That's why I say when the word comes through and it's coming by the Holy Spirit, and, and if there's not concentration by me to receive that from the Holy Spirit for the word to come out and other things come in the way, that's what can happen. That's, that's exactly what happens. Now, here it is. That, and, and that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So at every moment, I'm either being conformed to this world and not living here on earth, in my heavenly position, this other world, <laughs> the place of Christ in the heavens, where everything becomes the majority of my whole life and schedule is the details of life. Nope. Matthew six thirty three, Seek you first his rule over you. Then all these other things will be added unto you. It's not these things first. And then I pray, God, you would add unto me it's never that way. It is never, ever, ever that way. Now here's verse 3 in Romans 12. For I say through the grace that is given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of the self-life, and he's talking to the believer here, more highly than he ought to think. But here's what we're going to get to. But to think soberly. Soberly. You know what it's like when people take in alcohol. And again, that's what's, that's what's being taught in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. It says, be you filled, with, be not drunk with wine. That's what it says. And I'll tell you what it says in the King James. King James, it says in Ephesians 5, 18, be not drunk with wine, as the man of some is, but, but, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just talking about drinking wine, although you can get drunk on that and you functioning properly with your senses. That's why there's warning against it in Proverbs 20 and verse 1. That's why there's warning against it in Proverbs 23 and verse 31. There's extreme warnings about that. 
and doing it to ex- excess. But when it says that in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, okay, be not drunk with wine, it means stop thinking through the world and acting like a senseless drunk. Instead of that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we can bring this out at a different time, but it's a past tense, present active participle. At one point in time, you received Jesus Christ instantly. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit. At 2 Corinthians 1, 22, 2 Corinthians 5, 5, and Ephesians 1 and verse 13, you were regenerated in Titus 3 and verse 5, and then he takes the things of Christ and begins to show them unto you. That's what it means to be filled up in John 16, 13, and 14. So it's either that, <laughs> thinking with the world, and the world acts, do they have proper sense? Is there any sense outside of God? Is there any sense outside of Christ, the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says this, because it says this, I, because when you think of yourself more than Christ, you're acting like a drunk by the spirit of the world. The, the spirit of the world comes in and overtakes proper thinking. And now you're not even thinking with any sense, any of us. Okay. You're not to do that, but to think soberly. Listen to what it says. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He's made it available to all. But will he force himself? Will he violate our free will? Won't do it. Now this word soberly, I'm going to explain it in the Greek, and we're going to get into these things in a much more, much more detailed way throughout the week. We're going to do it. We're going to do it tomorrow. We're going to do it Tuesday. We're going to do it Thursday and Friday because of the importance, the intensity of the word. There was a reason why Paul in Ephesus for three years taught day and night, seven days a week. There was a reason for it. There was a reason for it. And we can see, you know, all that Ephesus truth that was brought out that he taught them there in the epistle to Ephesians, the first church. The first local assembly with all that teaching had to do with the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 2, 1 to 4. That's right. All that specific truth. We can have all of that be taught, all of that. And then, through the will not being submitted, through a lack of discipline, a lack of preparation, just start, just start living just like the world. Soberly here is from this Greek word. It's made up of a couple of Greek words. It's, it's ice. It's pronounced like our word ice, I-C-E, but it's spelled E-I-S in the Greek, and this is what it means. It's a primary, which means extremely important preparation, and it means to and into. And what does it indicate, that little word ice? And you can use it so many different ways. But here it indicates the point reached Notice this, the point reached or entered. The point reached through being sober. There's a point to be reached that God has for each of us because he wants us to enter into the reality of the mind of Christ, which he's given us in Ephesians, in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. We have the mind of Christ. But do I submit to it? Am I taught it? Am I prepared? Am I ready? Am I disciplined to do so? It means of place. Notice that? 
It has that word ice. has to do with place. How important is place? Time. How short is the time in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29? Do you remember what Jesus said in John 12, 36 and 30, uh, 35 and 36 in John 12? He said, a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have it. Walk while you have it. Time. And then it, 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 it does what? Purpose. Purpose. We have purpose. We have purpose in Christ. Read the first chapter of the Epistle of Ephesians in those 23 verses and watch the flow of it. Very, very beautiful. We have tremendous purpose. It's the purpose of God through the accomplishment of the fulfilled will of God through Jesus Christ. We have this mind of Christ, but do we function in it? Are we taught it? Do we understand it? So we don't get caught up in all these other cultic things. Any teaching outside of Christ that doesn't have to do with his person and the work that he has accomplished is cultic, demonic, and evil without any question about it. And we're going to get into it specifically tomorrow. Very, very specifically. But here, again, this word ice has to do, again, with a point reached or entered of place, time, and purpose. Notice that? Of purpose. To have purpose. And then it speaks of result. Proper results. Through what? Through reaching a point, through entering into that point of truth, to function in a proper place, understanding the time that we're in, and functioning in God's purpose in Christ for us. Thinking soberly. This is what it says, sober. And then we have the result. What is that result? The protection and intimacy of his love for us as individuals. And then it means into. That word ice, into, in the Koine Greek New Testament, into, is used 573 times. That word too, how important those little words are, too, is used 281 times. That word unto, again, expressed through ice, is used 207 times. Four, four is used 140 times. That word in is used 138 times. That word on, 58 times. That word toward, is 29 times, against 26 times, and a miscellaneous use in different contexts is used 321 times. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 10, 10? He said this, he said, the thief comes to what? Steal. How does he do that? He wants to steal our attention away, and he will use anything he can use. Anything. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to what? To destroy. But what did Jesus say? I have come that they might have life, and life what? More what? Abundantly. And that's what this word ice goes into too. Abundance. Abundance. These these things that we brought out here, that the word has brought out to us, can be in an evil sense or a good sense. A proper sense or an improper sense can be brought out. 
And literally, it means abundant or abundantly concerning these truths, that they be con continual truths that are being brought into us that we can enter into for a more exceeding and abundant, deep, intent purpose in realizing it by God through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that as a local assembly being taught properly, we function with one mind. And it's used, this word ice is used only, primarily only with verbs, and you know what a verb does, it expresses action. And what is God's action but his love? His active energy is his love. It's used only with verbs expressing motion. And motion, we know in the Bible, is there such a thing as neutrality in Matthew 12, 30 and, Luke 9, and, and, and Mark 9, 40. He that is not with me is what? In our thinking. If we are not with him in proper thinking, we are what? We're being conformed to the world and the world wants to conform our thinking as Christians to function against him. That's Romans 8, 7. The flesh has strong, settled feelings of hatred toward God. They're unchangeable, they're immovable, they will not change. That's why you can't change certain people. Because they will not submit it, because they don't want to submit that will. They choose that, and those are the ones, finally, that God gives them over and sends strong delusion. He would only send that to those that are completely done with him. God forbid. We see that in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 11 and 12. But again, here, that word, that word soberly, is this Greek word, sophroneo. That's what it is, sophroneo. This is what it means, okay? And it's from the word sophron. And you know what that word sophron means? It means to be safe. That's right. That's what it means, to be safe, to be sound, to think soundly. How many unborn again people, they can't think at all, right? They just function in deception. They're wide open to the atmosphere. Revelation 12, 9, he deceives the whole world. He deceives the whole world. But Christians that don't have this truth, are they in a dangerous place experientially? Not positionally, but experientially. And if they're in a dangerous place, do you think the enemy can use them? to attract others, to lead others into their noisy pit in Psalm 40 and verse 2? Well, means to be safe, to be sound in mind. It means to have that self-life under the control of God the Holy Spirit. That's Galatians 5.16 based upon Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. That's what that is based upon. Clearly in the scriptures. It means to be of a sound mind, self-controlled. And it's brought out in so many other places in the scriptures to which we can get into during the week. But as I close this this morning, which I'm going to do very quickly, that word in so many different places, for instance, in 1 Timothy 2.2, 2, it means to be temperate and self-controlled. And in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, means to be discreet, held in a very discreet and protective place in his love. 
And it's from that word, sofron or safron, as some would say, comes from the base of the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. And that word sozo literally means it's 110 times in the Greek New Testament. Sozo, and it means safe. We're only safe when we think properly. Our position, folks, is secure and settled. But how about our experience? Is my experience the equal of the safety of my position? I'll tell you. Safe means to save because we've been delivered. And we've been delivered positionally. Do we need it to be experientially? Delivered from the flesh constantly? From its control of us? Yes. And then we're protected. It's always what it means in the Bible to be very, very protected. And, and again, we're going to get into this Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday in a very, very specific and deep, deep way. And Father, thank you so much, Lord. Because the truth is, the truth is, there's no sobriety, there's no proper thinking without love. Otherwise, in Romans 12, Verse 9, it says, let love be without pretending. Let love be without pretending. And how? You abhor that which is evil. And you cleave to what is good. You cleave to what it is. There's no sobriety without love. There's only senseless pretending and role-playing. There's only mindless wanderings into many destructive and hurtful lusts. And Father, I just pray for each of us that you just keep us safe and sound with submitted wills, with, your, with the preaching and teaching that only comes from your presence. We can only know things properly and see them properly in the light of your presence of who you are this deep, intimate love that you have already made ours in Jesus Christ and made us acceptable. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.